0: this is don't sell the farm
1: listen friend god does not have to say to us again i want you to go out and witness it 1900 years ago Jesus said to us
0: go ye out into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature he does not have to say one more word those are our marching orders we need no
1: signs from heaven we need no urging of the spirit we have a command that has never been rescinded every believer is commanded to go and witness for Jesus Christ those orders have never been rescinded the urgency of the hour is into all the world and we do not have for forever to preach this gospel, but time is running out. Yeah, so um, uh, going from, you know, our, our band and, and some of the ministry that we had, tran- uh, well, I shouldn't say, you know, transferring into discipleship, but, you know, it kind of uh, came out of some of the the ministries that we were involved in, actually. Um, Jesse would, after Saturday night, when we would play at the concert scene, when there were serious men, he would, uh, he would right away ask us if we were going, which was very good for me to have someone that was kind of pushing me a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, so, um, uh, myself and a few of the other guys in the band, we would, we weren't super consistent, but I started going to serious men and, um, uh, that, that definitely started, started moving me in that direction, I guess, um, just being in that setting with pastor Greg. I mean, there's, there is such an anointing on his ministry that moves men towards discipleship and vision. Yeah. And, um, so that definitely started, started, uh, working in my life that God began to move on me again, uh, that way. And then of course, you know, you always have decisions that you have to make of if you're going to actually uh, gear your life towards uh, calling. You know, it's it's an issue of surrender. And then it's an issue of, of, of preparation and pursuit of of calling. Um, and so, yeah, all those things, you know, in a series of events, I guess you would say, or a series of decisions begin to, to take place in my life.
0: Let me ask you about some of the preparation because you mentioned that. What is... What do you mean by that? Can you extrapolate on some of the things that prepare you for pastoral ministry that you had, had the opportunity to take advantage of while you're here? Sure. Yeah. So, um, I think in
1: some ways I had a bit of an advantage because growing up as a pastor's kid, I knew some of the specifics of what you deal with while you're out and, uh, so so I think in some ways that helped me because I knew certain areas of my life that really needed to be developed. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, that I I really believe about discipleship is if you're serious about being called to preach, then you have to understand discipleship is not it's not just your pastor's job. He obviously has a calling to disciple men, but in many ways uh, discipleship is reactive. You react to what God is doing in a man um, as a pastor that's trying to disciple men, right? You react to that. And then you try to help them to get to where God wants them. So thinking of it from the disciples standpoint, every disciple, if you're serious, should be thinking about what are the skills that are necessary for effective ministry And what are, you know, the character issues that I'm lacking in that are going to hurt me later on and then beginning to work on those things. So if we're talking, you know, practical things in my own life, I mean, um, you know, I mean, evangelism is huge. It it sounds so basic, but I mean, it was one of the things I quickly, when I thought, if I'm going to seriously do this, I know what pioneering is. Pione- you know, you, you're you not going to pioneer a church if you show up and put a sign up. Right, Right. And it's like, I hope people will show up. You know, pioneering is soul winning. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe my numbers are off, but the way I tell my guys is it's like, let's, let's say 90% of pioneering is just, can you get people saved? Yeah. Because, right. it, it, like I said, it's not, you know, Pastor Mitchell used to always joke about it, right? is a guy goes to a city, puts a sign up, and then waits for people to show up. And it doesn't work like that. Yeah. It, it's getting people saved. So, you know, we, uh, what I some, really started.
0: What are some practical ways that you develop that? Um, so. Because uh, it seems like there's, there's several yeah. parts of this. Correct me if I'm wrong. But there's obviously communication skills, right? being able to approach somebody and say, hey, you know, <laughs> let me convince you to change your whole life, right? Then there's the supernatural element of it, which, you know, you need to have a degree of anointing, I suppose, for, for people to want to listen to you and change their whole life. And then, so communication anointing, and then what else? What other practical elements are there to, to that? And, and how can you develop those elements? Sure. Um, I think... I think
1: fundamentally fruitfulness comes out of a desire to be fruitful and a refusal to settle for anything less. There's a whole lot of moving pieces, right? You're talking mm-hmm. about the supernatural, you're talking about, you know, a skill set of, you know, engaging somebody, developing relationship, hospitality. All those things are true. In my life, where I had to come to was a place of absolute, uh, I, I guess part of its desperation, but it was also a shift in the way I was approaching ministry because here's here's one of the challenges I found, especially in a bigger church, for any disciple that's in a bigger church, you can you can genuinely kind of skate by, yeah without doing much when yeah. it comes to soul yep. winning. And so I mean, for years, I functioned in a band, never witnessed to hardly anybody, one on one. Yeah, and you play in the band, people get saved. It's like cool, being fruitful, and it's like okay, maybe, but is that really? When we're thinking about pioneering,
0: yeah, are you pastoring, be able to just play in a band and have is a church that, full of people? Is that it?
1: really your fruit? Right. Did right. did and and again, <clears throat> I'm not I'm not discounting you know, events or different ways that we contribute. But when we're talking about pioneering, we're talking about you and your wife going to a city by yourself and then getting people saved to the extent, right, a, a real conversion that they're going to come in to your funky building mm-hmm. that doesn't feel like a church. Yeah. They're going to change their whole life. They're going to start giving money. <laughs> I mean, this is, yeah. This yeah. is insane what, what the proposition of pioneering is. So there has to be something very real at work inside of a man that begins to push him to a point of pressing in for this where it actually begins to happen. And that's what happened in my life here was I deliberately started, uh, I deliberately started going out outreaching on my own,
0: mm-hmm.
1: my wife and I. So that was actually how Johnny and Vernice ended up getting saved, was we wow. went outreaching on a Thursday night. It was me, my wife, Jesse, and Beth, and we went over to the entertainment district in PV, Yeah, and we were just out there by ourselves. Nobody knew. We are just out there witnessing. Yep. And we run into Johnny and Vernice. That night, we pray with them. You know, today they're pastors, yeah. but something changed in me when that happened, right? And and leading up to that, there were some things that had been taking place in my wife and I, to right. to get us to a place where we we wanted it that bad, yeah. Um, and 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 it it became paramount in our lives, you know, that we we are going to be fruit. This is going to yeah. be the most important thing in our lives is to yeah. be fruitful. Yep. And and I think that's part of why, you know, everywhere I've been. I've gotten powerful conversions, mm-hmm. um, because I, I I developed that here. Uh, you know that's where I learned it. You know, and I, I really took it on board when Pastor Greg would tell us, you know, I, I hope the first time you get somebody saved, you're, it's not happening out there. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it is a, it it is a, it is a terrifying thought right. to think I'm gonna change my whole life, and I'm gonna go do something. If you've never like you've never gotten anybody saved right yeah. and you're just hoping it's gonna happen like right. don't you think you <laughs> yeah. should you yeah. should get and and I you know I, I encourage my guys like, that way where it's like you know it's like
0: uh, someone who's never strung a line never baited a hook never
2: you know done anything and uh, they just said I'm gonna go be a fisherman for a living well I think it's like, like what you're saying uh, with this ministry, I don't think it's right, but I think it, like at being in ministry, it's almost, it's so, you know, like what you're talking about, it's it's individualized, it's you, you have to change, right, people can't make you change, you you change, but it's almost like, um, like you're saying, going from ministry and then going out to be a pioneer pastor, there's always this saying in the, in the Marine Corps, and it's like, if you want to succeed, don't act like the rank you are, act like the rank you want to be, and I think that up does apply to this, right, so it's like, are you going to be, are you just going to be a disciple for the rest of your life? Or are you going to change your perspective and see what it takes to be a pioneer pastor, it takes to be a pastor, and then are you going to apply what you see to your life to make you successful once you are sent out to the field?
1: Sure. Yeah. And, and, and in many ways, it's like there's, there's a great disconnect in the minds of some men that, and I'm sure, you know, it's it's every pastor's. Uh, conundrum is you have men in your church that go "Uh, I'm called and you look at their life and you're like "Um, do you do you think that this is going to lead you to that you know what what you're doing right now if you you know in my opinion if you really want to pursue calling well then you ought to be striving to live out the life right now. Right. Sure, you don't have the position, but one of the, one of the important lessons of ministry is position doesn't make a man. You know, we, we could stand you up on Friday night at conference. We can mm-hmm. announce you. That doesn't, you know, pastoring is a function. Mm-hmm. And ministry flows out of who you are. And this is why when we're talking about fruitfulness, I think so much of it, it's, it's internal. It's, it's how you believe God. It's what you're willing to settle for. It's, is there enough of a burden that people are dying and going to hell that I'm willing to inconvenience my life? I'm willing to reorganize things. Yeah. I'm willing to take a night when I could sit on the couch and eat potato chips. And mm. instead, I'm going to go out and I'm going to witness to people. I remember going down, you know, February freezing cold, going down onto the plaza by myself and witnessing because in my mind, I was constantly coming back to this place of like, if you're going to do this, this is what it takes. And so don't, don't wait, don't wait until it's life or death. You better you better be able to produce something right now. Right. Yeah. And that began to it really began to flow out of my life, I think, and, and it caught in, in a lot of ways and developed a momentum in my own life, but I think it also affected other people.
0: Let me ask you this. Um, sort of from the place of uh, you know, maybe personal pain in a certain sense, is how do you take that desperation and, and desire to see people saved and be fruitful, you know? Where do you draw your confidence from? Obviously, there's scripture. We know that God, God calls us to be fruitful. John 15:8, 8, right? Um, you know, uh, these promises that we see in the word of God, it's like, okay, all right, I, I believe that in my head. How do I bring it down to here? You know, as Pastor Greg, I was always saying, bring it into your heart. You know, because there's so many times I go out and I'm like, all right, I'm going to witness to people. And, and I'm like, I've got my flyers. And I'm like, all right, here's a flyer. All right, not that guy. Nah, too young, too old, too this, too that. You know, not my, not my, uh, my go-to here. I need the perfect person, right? How do I, how do I broaden, and how do we generally broaden our horizons to be able to say, you know, this, this older couple, they need Jesus just as much as I do. This, this young guy, you know, who looks like he's got it all figured out, right? He needs Jesus too. How do you, how do you take that confidence, right? Um, uh, I'll kind of mention something Pastor uh, Payne said recently when he was here in town uh, in Serious Men. He said that people's consciences are on your side. Where do you... Okay, so as a as a guy who's like, I want to go out and witness, how do you avoid falling into the trap of, well, I came out here and I handed out 300 flyers to an event that probably you know most people won't show up to because they have no real reason to in a certain sense. I would so much rather ditch the flyers and just witness to people, but I have such a hard time with approaching. Can you speak to that? And I don't think I'm the only one. I think that that's normal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess, obviously, there's there's different reasons why people may uh, tend towards that. And so, I mean, I guess one response is, you know, why? What is it that's holding me back? And then begin to deal with that internally. Now, you know, Without it being a, a a universal answer for the things that each person struggles with, I think I think the answer always comes back to who God is ultimately, right. and and it's this issue of of faith and and faith is. I think faith is a lot more profound than we understand, and I've I've learned this in my ministry. Is there's like. Faith, faith is a dynamic thing. Yeah. And it's 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 more than just, I mean for years we heard Pastor Mitchell say it's more than mental assent. I remember for years listening to him say that and being like, "What is, what is he talking about? I don't understand this at all." And 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 through certain situations that I've had to deal with beginning to understand a little more about faith and what it really is. And when we apply it to evangelism, it's like, okay, first of all, who is God? Ultimately, I think you're going to have to settle in your heart how much God wants people to be saved. Right. I believe this fundamentally about God. He is incredibly motivated by redemption, probably to a point that we don't really understand. When you think about some of the scriptures that describe God's nature towards a sinner, it's very hard for us to comprehend
0: well yeah, I mean you got to think about it like literally he's so motivated that he would die on a cross. This is the, the, the ultimate picture of
1: redemption. Yeah. Is is Christ hanging from the cross. Right. And even that I think can become very cliché for us in our mind. Right. Jesus dying on the cross. If you if you walk it through and you try to get your head around it, it is possibly the most baffling mystery of all of creation. Yeah. People need to be saved because they're in serious trouble. They're in serious trouble because of sin. Sin is willful disobedience and rebellion against the creator of the universe and mankind. And this very creator wants to help rescue people from the trouble that their sin and rebellion towards him got them in. Yeah. To the extent that he will put himself in peril, that he will suffer on their behalf. I mean, this level of burden. Yeah. I mean, on our best days, let's be honest, our burden is not even close. Yeah. yeah. And and the problem is sometimes it's like the way we approach fruitfulness is like, God, please save these people. Like we're trying to twist God's arm. <laughs> Does God's arm really have to be twisted to save sinners? Yeah. No. And so part of what faith is, is it's this, this laying hold of God's nature. Yeah, God, you want these people to be saved. and And choosing to believe that to a point that goes beyond my own fears, my insecurities, all the reasons why this shouldn't work, On my side and on their side, right? You're talking about, oh, it's this older couple. Oh, they're too young. They're too old. They have too much money. They don't have enough money. This is their culture. This is their religion. God's redemptive nature, if you really believe that God wants so desperately to save people, I think in many ways it sets you free from a lot of that. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. then it comes back to like, look at... Some of the examples that God has used. I mean, God used Jonah, a backslidden prophet (laughs) who fought him every step of the way, disobeyed. There's no reason when we consider justice and righteousness that God should help this guy in any way. Right. And he goes to Nineveh and the whole city repents. Yeah. This is the level to which God wants people to be saved. So if mm-hmm. God can use that guy, surely God could use Tim Miller or David Cutter or Aaron Bronson right. to get somebody saved. Mm-hmm. And I do believe the way that you perceive God in so many ways, it changes the landscape of your life. Faith builds out your world. And if you really believe that God wants to save people... I believe it will dictate the choices you make in life, and ultimately, there's fruit that will come out of that. Mm-hmm. And I think I've, you know, uh, I think I've I've learned that to some degree. There's definitely probably greater dimensions that we all can go to right. in this issue of faith, yeah. And especially when it comes to fruitfulness. But there's, you know, I I, I heard Pastor Payne say something in a sermon. Uh, I was actually talking to 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 one of my friends about it, and he he brought it up. And it really helped me in something I was dealing with. And and it, it goes something like this. I, I don't know if I have the quote correctly, but there's something about believing God for a dimension of grace that you don't deserve. And it really sets you free, I think, from a lot of the
2: reasons why we talk ourselves out of yeah. what God could do. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, then I think it's, it's like, uh, I don't think, we fully comprehend too sometimes, like how many numbers, how many people's numbers God has, you know? It's like um, whenever I was uh, not saved in the Marine Corps, I'd gotten home from work, pulled up, got off my motorcycle, was walking into my house, and some guy from the Oceanside Potter's house gives me a flyer, and I'm like, and I told him where he could go, you know. I was like, I'm not going to be a part of this. But then, you know, we wind up going to church and stuff, but, you know, and I I told that guy, I'm like, man, that's crazy that you just showed up out of nowhere and gave me a flyer. Like, I grew up in the Prescott church. He's like, oh, my gosh, no way. That And then also, you know, going on outreaches and stuff and you talking to people, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going through this situation, and I literally told God, like, Send somebody to come talk to me because I don't know what to do or whatever the case is. You know, like I was just about to, you know, you know, leave my wife or whatever the case is. And it's like sometimes we don't run into people coincidentally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. God, God is, God is always at work. A lot of times the question is, are we putting ourselves in a position to be used?
2: Right. Right. Right.
1: That's a lot of times that's the issue. Right. I, you know, Pastor Mitchell taught us years ago: you have to give God something to anoint, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, his power is not in question. Yeah. His willingness is not in question. Um. But people's decisions do affect what they experience in in a lot of ways when it comes to ministry. Mm-hmm. Giving God something to anoint. I remember pioneering. And, uh, and and pastor Mitchell, there was like a little seminar and, and I remember him saying the amount of seeds that you plant will always have a correlation to the amount of fruit that you reap. Hmm. And that's one of those simple (laughs) things, but it's so profound, right? Because I mean, I, I, I literally, you know, there's, there's been times in my own life and I've seen it in, in other people. I've had conversations with men that get discouraged and, you know, Tim, I didn't even outreach this week. Well, you know, you just sealed your fate. If you're not giving mm-hmm. God something to annoy, what do you think's going to happen? Yeah. He could want to move, but there's something about God that he, he uses people. He uses people. There are times He moves in sovereign ways, but, I mean, a lot of life is God using people
0: to fulfill His will. Yeah, it seems mm-hmm. that... Uh, obviously the vast majority of what God does in terms of people getting saved and, you know, things happening in the earth is through
1: people. Sure. And and definitely what we experience personally, right? Because yeah. mm-hmm. at the, by the same token, if you talk about a sovereign move of God, you know, God can move sovereignly. That doesn't mean you're going to be involved in it, right? Yeah. That still has to do with your decisions. If you choose mm-hmm. to line up your life to... Uh, you know, in line with God's will, and you're putting yourself in those positions.
0: That's exactly what Pastor Mitchell always said about the Jesus people movement Is this wasn't some genius he had. God was moving, and he just said, Let's yeah. jump on board with this. Yeah, we mm-hmm. didn't create it,
1: but we were positioned. Right. You know, Pastor Mitchell positioned his life and the Prescott Church to uh, bear a lot of the benefit. Of what God was doing and in many ways it's also why not only did we experience an initial wave but we've been able to uh, develop some lasting impact out of that because of of this issue of positioning and so I think it's true from from you know the level of personal fruitfulness Mm -hmm. have I positioned myself in a place for personal fruitfulness all the way to you look at our fellowship worldwide that's true Um, you know just just taking an honest look at, at each of our lives, you know, is have I put myself in a position where I can reap the benefit of God's anointing, right. of, of his grace, of his desire to get people saved. And, uh, uh, you know, when we're considering the issue of ministry and pioneering especially, that, that is really a, uh, a, a critical a critical issue when it comes to bearing fruit and, and reaping a harvest. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause you know, sometimes I think in the mind, you've got to go to these places of like, what is it? What is it going to be like for any man that's called? You ought to be thinking about what is it really going to be like? Yeah. When I'm pioneering, you know, don't, right. don't think about, you know, oh, I've seen somebody preach to thousands. No, no, no. Let's let's yeah. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> can you can right? you
0: witness to one? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. You know, Tim Miller, 22 years old, with his 20-year-old wife pulling into a city that I've never seen. And I'm supposed to win this city to Christ. Yeah. Right. What does that feel like? Walking out of your apartment for the first time, looking down the road uh. which Aaron would know in in San Diego yeah. seeing apartment complexes as far as the eye can oh my see gosh, yeah. <laughs> and it's you and your wife and it's like we gotta get people safe. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And and then, okay, connecting that to my life now as a disciple, you know, one of the things I ask my guys is, Okay, if you were pioneering, how big would your church be? You know, well, at the end of the day, Pastor, I want to go out. Okay, cool. So pioneer. Now. Right. Yeah. How many people were in your church tonight? Again, this comes back to how easy it is in an established church to fly under the radar. Yeah. You're a lot of times you're you're floating on the labors of other people.
2: Right. Well in an established bigger church as well. Oh yeah. yeah. No,
1: because it's because it you know well, this I'll, is I'll just be very honest, there is a massive difference. Between getting ready for church on Sunday night when you know that people are going to be there no matter what.
0: Mm -hmm. Right.
1: And getting ready for church on Sunday night knowing that if you didn't pray with them, win them to Christ, and you don't get them to church, nobody's going to be in church with you. Yeah, right. That is a totally different experience. And you see it happen so commonly that, mm-hmm. that you know guys are just going through the motions. You know, especially in a, in a bigger church, you can be organizing, you can be doing a lot of these other things.
2: You know, it's like great, you can organize.
1: The problem is when you're pioneering, you don't have anything to organize. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, what does the pastor
2: says all the time is he says if there was a church full if there was a church full of people just like you, what <laughs> yeah. what kind of church would it be? Yeah. yeah.
0: Would anybody be re- reading their yeah. Bible? Would anybody sure. be getting saved? Would yeah. anybody be Changing.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, so, I mean, you know, evangelism and fruitfulness, it's a uh, its a—it's a profound issue. But I do believe that every Christian has the potential to be fruitful and every mm-hmm. disciple must press into fruitfulness. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that God can't cause that to grow. And it doesn't mean, you know, that, uh, you know, if you haven't seen, you know, a 100 people lock into the church from you, that that means you can't go out what i do believe it means is is if i were you speaking generic you know in general not to you guys specifically but in general to any disciple uh, you, you need to press in towards fruitfulness with a zeal and a passion that will give you a breakthrough yeah. because just and kind of back to your original question david is 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 just just getting one makes a huge difference in your faith yeah i mean you're able to believe god at a greater degree right back to this issue of faith right there, there is a big difference in believing god for something that you've never seen and believing god for something you have seen i can say with absolute confidence people get converted i i can get people saved i can say that with Absolute unwavering confidence because I tapped into that years ago Mm -hmm. and ever since then, everywhere I've been, I've gotten conversions. Yeah. So I can say it with 100% confidence. It's not a question
0: mark in my mind. I know God does that. Let me ask you this. How do you balance like taking the the desire to get people saved and work with converts with I don't want to be imbalanced and – enable people who aren't getting any revelation.
1: Yeah, I think I think as you press in towards fruitfulness and involve yourself with people, this is why involvement is so important because a lot of these things, you only learn it as you do it. Yeah. You know, mm. I, I, I always shy away from the experts that have never done it, right? Yeah. <laughs> this, this is the amazing thing. You have, you have quote unquote disciples that, you know they are the masters of fruitfulness, and yet they have nobody that's gotten saved, right? right? Or they know how to preach. You know they go to conference and they can criticize sermons, but you've never preached, right? So how how or, would how would you know? <laughs> or they've
2: done it. They've just done it very badly. Like the guy that's been married ten times is trying to give you marriage advice. <laughs> hey man, I've been married yeah, ten yeah, times. i mean, I'll tell you exactly what you know, that's, that no, that's a whole nother road to walk down. Um,
1: uh, so, um. I think I think you begin to learn certain truths about working with people. Right. You begin to learn what what really helps people. I think you begin to develop a sense of of where people are at spiritually. Yeah. And and and, and again, I don't think there's any easy way to learn this, right? As you're talking about, you know, helping someone, getting burned, is like that you know, that's a common experience yeah. for anybody in ministry. Uh, you know, when I was pioneering, I, I mean, I'm so desperate for people just to come to my church. I, I had a, uh, I had a guy live with me for three months, Yeah, you know, and it was, it was, uh, it was trying <laughs> there were, oh man, uh, there was some, there was some difficult situations. Uh, yeah. You know, you go, you ask, yourself, would you go back and do it different? Probably. But I think you only learn some of this stuff by doing it. Yeah. No. And, then, and then kind of analyzing what you did, and, and also being careful not to make blanket uh, assumptions or, or mm-hmm. judgments off of an experience with one individual. Sure. Um, uh, but you begin to learn how to do this. You know, people, you know, ministry in many ways, it's, it's an art, mm-hmm. it's not a formula. Yeah. And, and I think, especially if you have a very analytical mind, that can be a frustrating thing, mm-hmm. because you know math is nice because two plus two equals four all the time. Uh, yeah, with people, two plus two doesn't always equal four. With one person, it equals four. With another, it equals three. With another, it equals five. Right? Mm-hmm. How is it that you can invest in one person a massive amount, they can appreciate it not at all, and and you get nothing, and they don't respond at all. Another person, you know, uh, Probably every pastor's had this experience. You see people come into church and sometimes you kind of are like, yeah, we'll see. You know, I don't know. they, yeah. they don't, You know, you don't You don't see any sort of glaring, obvious potential. Yeah. And sometimes those people totally surprise you. It you give them a like, little bit and they
0: flourish. It almost seems like it's more common that the ones that you sort of would look at and say, eh, probably not at least in my experience are the ones that, that seem to like really yeah, latch and, and, on and I don't
1: know I don't know if that bears out statistically or if it's Who just knows? how it feels Maybe that's because anecdotal. it surprises us yeah. so much when it happens yeah but no I do think it's it's a truth. so what I believe is when it comes to ministry you have to, you have to develop some core principles and I think in a lot of the men that I look up to I see core principles that they live by I love you know I heard Pastor Campbell years ago say this and he said it numbers of times you know but he said I cannot allow my spirituality to be determined by other people. Yeah. I mean it that's it's it's that's an amazing concept. Yeah. It's what we we've seen our leaders do for years, Mm -hmm. right? Pastor Mitchell through betrayal, splits, I mean, again, think you you got to think. Here's investment. Here are spiritual sons. He's poured his life into these men. And then you lose, at least in the natural, you lose all of this investment. Yeah. And he's told us the story many times of questioning. Am I going to keep doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, and then God's speaking it. You just do what I've called you to do and leave the results up to me. Right. And I think for all of us, to some degree you have to come back to these core principles of yeah. what does god's word say mm-hmm. therefore how am i going to live i'm going to make certain choices regardless of what the apparent results are right okay well that convert didn't make it i think one of the big mistakes people make is they get inspired to fruitfulness they they get a convert something happens and then they they redefine all of their ministry Based on this experience. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like, hey, you know what? Let's be honest. Sometimes people just get a case of the stupids. Yeah. And it wasn't anything you did. Right. And you didn't do anything wrong. And if you keep doing what you were doing, eventually you'll be fruitful. Right. You know, it's it's the seed and the sower. Right? That here's good seed. Here's a sower that's making the right decisions. Mm -hmm. And yet he's getting different results. Depending on in a bunch of these scenarios, thing. right? Yeah. Because there's spiritual dynamics. There's yeah. just choices that people yeah. are making. There's all these things. So I think it's like you have to lay hold of who God is, his desire to save people and the truth of fruitfulness. And you have to settle some things in your heart. Whether they reject me, whether they respond, here's how I'm going to function. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to try to see what God's doing and respond accordingly. But I'm never abandoning these core
2: principles
0: yeah
1: and, and you know it that it's a part of why fruitfulness is a battle yeah mm-hmm.
2: I kind of want to bring it back to uh, back to you in, in ministry and you had mentioned that there was that kind of turning point when you decided you're you know you're gonna start going on outreach by yourself and you're gonna start really committing yourself to that and you had mentioned that uh, that outreach that uh, Johnny Bernice got saved you said that it was uh you your wife um pastor jesse and and um beth right so um i wanted to know when you you said that whenever you went to go do that you said that you and your wife had made that decision together were you guys married at the time or were you guys just dating no yeah we were married you were married yeah. okay so how was how was that conversation because i know me and my wife have kind of gone through this situation and i'm sure there's a lot of other people guys in the churches that go through that same situation where it's like, Oh, okay. Like I'm going to make this decision. And then they kind of leave their wife out of it. Right. So that really caught my attention when you said, Oh, my wife and I made the decision. So can you go through that a little bit?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the things, you know, that I can definitely say that I, I did right was picking a wife uh, I, I, I chose her. Um, well, that kind of sounds like it was like an arranged you know, I, I, I chose her. No, and I, plus, you said I, you did something I, right. You chose
2: a wife. <laughs> I was like, in, instead of a husband? I should say, in
1: who I chose, right? In right, who I right. decided to, to pursue. Right. Um, my, my wife genuinely got converted. And she has a real relationship with God. And before I ever started dating her, it was something that I noted about her. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember being back in this prayer room before church, praying on a Wednesday night, and my wife now walking by, she was still in her scrubs from work, and she was coming to pray before church. Yeah. And there was something about that, right? It's like, yeah, that's, there's some quality there. Right. And so out of her being genuinely saved and having a real relationship with God, what God was doing in me, God was also doing things in her. Right. And, uh, and she would tell you, you know, part of what led up to when Johnny and Vernice got saved was we had gone to a pioneer rally in Chandler and, uh, and, and God absolutely got a hold of both of us. And it wasn't me trying to tell her, you know, do this or do that. God got a hold of both of us when it came to the issue of fruitfulness. And right. so it wasn't like it was like, you know, me off doing my thing mm-hmm. and her having no interest, you know. Um she was in it, you know. And 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 it I mean it's been such a blessing in ministry, I mean in pioneering, you know. I mean the majority of my church a lot of it came out of of her winning people to Jesus. Mm. I mean, you know, there were you're always working together, but a lot of that initial flow of people into my church were women that she had witnessed to and one to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that I've, I've always been very grateful to have, you know, a wife that's really saved, that, you know, has a real relationship with God. Yeah. And the I think the fruit of that is is she also wants to see people saved. So that's a great benefit I think in ministry. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think, I think it works out on both sides, you know, it, you definitely as a as a man you have to have the perspective that this is a partnership. Right. You know, ministry is your you and your wife. You know, and again, if you're thinking about pioneering, right, it's like it's not you and your pastor yeah. doing this. <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. Pastor Greg never outreached once in my city. <laughs> My wife outreached a whole lot. Yeah, so right. uh, you know you you can't discount that relationship. Yeah, of course, because it's a it's a big deal.
2: So then going from that, what was the um, after that kind of uh, shift, mindset shift, um, going into um, you being called to preach, and then and then let's go into. Um, you going um, on staff, and then and then where you were sent, where you were sure. sent out, and then up and kind of to where you're at now.
1: Yeah, so you know, I I, I surrendered to the call. There were choices I had to make. You know, about education, about uh, my job. You know, things things that were just practically. Uh, some of it was just issues for me, mm-hmm. and it's not universal. There were decisions I had to make. You know, one thing for me was. I always, I I, I wanted to have a plan B in case ministry didn't work out. Right. And uh, so I was was going to college, and I remember God speaking to me. And this isn't true for everybody, but it was true for me. God spoke to me, and he told me, "Uh, I want all of your eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. And I look back now, and I know that I would have approached ministry differently if I had a plan B. Right. I like to talk to my brother-in-law, Angel, about this because we have similar... uh, situations where it's like you know in some ways we kind of feel like the disciples when jesus says are you going to leave also and it's like lord where else would i go yeah i have nothing but this right i also think it's part of the beauty of what our fellowship has done in getting people involved in ministry early on right you build your life into it mm-hmm. and in, in some ways you know you, you do approach ministry with a level of desperation uh, out of that you know because it's yeah. like if this doesn't work Oh man, (laughs) yeah, you know, and and I, and that's not, you know, that, that doesn't, and it's not to discount anybody that, you know, any other situations I'm not, I'm not casting shade on anyone like that, but I know for me, my personality, I needed that because a lot of my, my, my plan B, it was all fear-based. It was unbelief. It was, you know, I want to be able to still make money if, if I want to be
2: pouring concrete at 55 or something. (laughs) If, yeah. yeah. yeah, But no, it's I all,
1: it, it, it. It, it, it was how I viewed the will of God and call it. Right. So, uh, you know, I surrendered. I started working things out. I started ordering my life, you know, who I married. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I told my wife early on, you know, what I was called to do and made yeah. sure that she was on board with that. Right. Yeah. With some guys, it's like, have you get, you know, you find out later on you're, you're, your wife doesn't want to go out. Did you guys not talk about this when you were dating? You know, right. <laughs> you didn't tell her that you, the whole trajectory of your life was gonna be in this direction. That might yeah. be a, a smart thing if you're dating and you feel called. You might wanna yeah, inform exactly. your wife, you know, <laughs> or your wife to be. Uh, right. This is probably where uh, you see your life going. Yeah, don't you probably don't want it to be a, a surprise <laughs> <laughs> somewhere along the way. Um, so you know, order, you know, ordering Sometimes. your life. Yeah, uh, I do. And, I'm. And, getting, I want to <laughs> preach.
2: What? Yeah, that's not what i would do
1: <laughs> yeah ordering your life in a certain direction so we did that and then um yeah we we went on staff i think i was 20 what year was this one years old uh, so that would have been 2010 2010 okay
2: 2010 yeah what oh, kind wow. of experience? So same exact year i left for really the yeah okay yep.
0: yeah what so kind talk. of uh what kind of experiences did you have on staff that uh that helped you that later? you would like to talk about yeah like that, that you'd like to do. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah you don't have to talk about every verbal <laughs> last there,
1: there should actually uh, uh your next podcast uh, should be uh, door director stories hey, oh yeah i'd <laughs> <laughs> um, be a winner yeah i mean there's 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 a million uh, i mean what, what you know there's so many, so many things to my, some, point to.
0: to my understanding. It's it's kind of a unique experience because you get a certain closeness with Pastor Greg or whoever your pastor is, depending on where you are. Um, I, I that, would say there's. Have.
1: I think there's a opportunity for access. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. Now, exactly. what you do with that is up to you, um, because you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't think. Just the position makes or breaks a man. Right. Um, and, and, and again, in discipleship, so much of it is reactive, right? What you do with your opportunities. So, one of the things I definitely did was I, I tried to use every opportunity I could to, to uh, glean what I could from my pastors. Right. Uh, that was Pastor Mitchell. You know, he was here while I was here. And whenever he was not out of town, I was trying to ask him questions and learn about the history of our fellowship. And, and, and of course, with Pastor Greg, you know, who was really, you know, he discipled me. Um, just digging to yeah. get anything I could out of him. I, I, I made a decision early on. I, I don't care how my questions are perceived by anybody else. Yeah. I'm going to learn right and mm-hmm. i remember there were times i there were there would be there would be you know older guys mocking me because i asked so many questions and i like it just it didn't affect me yeah you know, i don't care
2: well that's good like, cuz that's definitely one of the biggest biggest reasons people don't ask questions cuz it's like people are be like well shouldn't you know this yeah yeah, yeah. they're but, afraid to look stupid guys yeah, exactly. you know
1: and it's like Okay, you know, just just to burst your bubble, your your pastor already knows you don't know. Yeah. yeah. So so don't. <laughs> yeah. the, the point of discipleship is not to impress him, it's to prepare your life for for later on. Right. And so yeah. I just I made up a decision. I mean I I made up questions. I I did anything I could to get him talking. Yeah. I, I probably bugged him to uh, an extreme amount, and that was just fine with me because (laughs) I was going to get everything I could. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, you know, being on staff, you, you get out of it what you put in, Mm. in, in so many ways. And whether it's learning how to deal with people, you know, whether it's, you know, developing personal devotion and commitment in the midst of the busyness, it's being around your pastor and trying to glean from him. There's a whole lot of moving pieces to it, but, ultimately i think you get out what you put in
2: right okay so then going from so you went on staff in 2010 so 2010 we were on staff
1: for a year okay we got sent out in 2011 uh july 2011 we got announced and we went into san marcos california to go pioneer Oh yeah okay so uh, north san diego county um i uh i pastor greg it was like two weeks before or a week before conference, I think. And I'd already figured, Hey, I'm not going out. You know, he hasn't talked to me. Yeah. A lot of the other guys I'd seen, they went and visited, you know, their city. And so I figured, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I guess I'm not going anywhere. And, uh, he pulled me aside at, at, at breakfast and, 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 uh, he actually asked, he said, uh, who, who do you think should be the next door director? I said, I don't care. Does that mean I'm getting sent out? You know, <laughs> you know, my selfish worldview, I could care less who, which one of my brothers was going on staff. i i I'm like, what does that mean? I'm getting sent out, you know? And he said, of course you're getting sent out. And so then, uh, then he said, do you have any idea where you want to go? I, I genuinely didn't have any clear direction from God. Yeah. I, uh, I had some ideas, you know, um, I was looking for, I was looking for a place with uh, Hispanic people and military.
2: There you and, go, uh, San Marcos uh, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh,
1: I, 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 I didn't know about it. I actually was thinking uh, Omaha, Nebraska. There's an air force oh, base. Yeah. Uh, well, that's not and, really.
2: Uh, a, I mean, and, and it, I won't say it. There's uh, a lot of people
1: listening. Uh, <laughs> that that's that's Aaron's opinion. We are not yeah, responsible exactly. for Aaron's opinion. It in no way reflects. I'm our just kidding. You guys are part of the armed forces. The I appreciate podcast. you. Um, <laughs> yeah so I, I i didn't have any direct i just threw it out there yeah and pastor greg said yeah i don't think pastor mitchell's gonna like that and <laughs> uh, uh yeah i was, it was too isolated you know it was way out there yeah and so uh pastor greg had said let me let me think and then he got back to me he said i think I, I i remember joe rice talking about oh, yeah. a city that needs a church in southern california called joe and see what he says so i called pastor rice and he he mentioned san marcos Yep. And so that's how I ended up going to San Marcos. So okay. the yeah. first time I ever saw it was driving in with my uh, with wow. my moving truck. Wow. And, it's a nice uh, area. It's, it's, it's beautiful, good, man. Yeah. It's beautiful. So and, then you
2: know Pastor Moynihan. Oh, very yeah. well. I mean, He's Pastor great.
1: Moynihan was such a blessing to us while we were there and the Oceanside Congregation. And uh, I'm very excited now, even though we aren't in San Marcos anymore, that Pastor Moynihan has kept – uh, yeah, pressing there. that city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, they just put another guy in there this last awesome. conference. So yeah, says, I made, that. I made, I made a point to, uh, pull him aside. I, you re- get... I remember when he got saved. Okay. Uh, he got, if, if I, and I think his name's Matt, Matt, yep, if Matt I got Still. the story wrong, yeah. then forgive me. But, uh, I think he got saved while I was there or maybe shortly before I came to San Marcos. And yeah, I remember really. seeing him as a, as a disciple in the church. And so I, I I made a point to just go cool. and encourage him and say thank you you know because you really yeah. do leave your heart somewhere yeah. in yeah. some ways when you when you labor somewhere you know it's yeah. like you go there to pioneer you think you're going to be there forever right and uh, and you you it's your blood sweat and tears yeah and, uh, that you you leave in that place and and you learn so many lessons and so yeah,
2: yeah. no he's uh, Matt's Matt's great Matt's actually one of my my best friends we talk just about every oh, single great. day yeah As, so, is he already over Ocean's there side. yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. they just moved in. So great. he sent me a picture of his apartment. He said, hey, look at Praise our new God. church. Take me a picture of this apartment. <laughs> I was like, that's great. It's oh, actually funny because during this last conference, I usually, Tony and I, you will usually sit with the Oceanside Church just because so many friends from over there. Sure. And I remember the one of the mornings, uh, Pastor Moynihan um, was, uh, Matt was st- sitting right next to me, Pastor Moynihan goes, hey, Matt, you want to have uh, breakfast tomorrow morning? Like, you know, super early. And I was just sitting there, and I was like, "Cool, sick invite," you know. But then, as soon as he got <laughs> uh, announced, I was—I told Pastor Moynihan, I was like, "I knew it. There it I is. knew it." As soon as you asked him to go have breakfast with you, I was like, "I knew you were gonna send him out." I was like, yeah. I and "He just laughed." But no, it's good. It's good that he's over there. He's really yeah. excited to be there. Oh, man, he's the, a. The Oceanside
1: Marine. Church is such a blessing. They, I mean, they outreach for us so many times. Yeah. They helped, and and Pastor Moynihan was always willing to help and uh, he's so, a go-getter man oh uh, yeah they're they've they've got it and uh you know just uh, even developing relationships with them through all yeah. of that you know is something pretty cool
2: well that too kind of what you're going going back to what you were talking about it's like you pour your heart and soul into somebody or a couple or a family and then they don't make it it's not the same but in oceanside it's like you do that with families and couples that are in the military and then they wind up getting the PCSing or, you know, moving to a different duty station. And you're just like, man, but it's cool because like you, you just never lose heart. It's always like, all right, cool. We lost, you know, we lost one family to another church because they PCS. So uh, we're going to go on the basing, get another Marine family saved and bring them in here and <laughs> replace them.
1: Yeah, and you, and you never know what God's going to do with it, you know. Yeah. The, the, the truth is no investment in the kingdom of God is wasted. Right. Yeah. So regardless of what, the apparent results in the immediate are yeah there there's there's nothing that's wasted well, in the yeah. kingdom of God if you don't if you don't back away
0: there's eternal right. results that we we won't know until eternal, oh, yeah, yeah. And, sure. then, and then and then a
1: lot of it's internal you yep. know things that God does in you mm-hmm. and and it leads it leads to a breakthrough you know sure uh, one of my which this this isn't really doctrine but uh, one of my beliefs about ministry is I think sometimes God he like he sees what you do with with people mm-hmm. and and when you treat them right and when you invest and when you bend over backwards and even if sometimes they burn you or they don't make it yeah i think god brings it back to you in other people where right. they're on the flip side i've had the same experiences and then there's times when i've had people that it's like it's, it, it's, like a, it's like handfuls on purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, my God, where did this phenomenal convert come from? You know, they just <laughs> yeah. like dropped into yeah. my lap. Yeah. And I think a lot of times it's, it's you labor over here. You don't realize you're unleashing blessing mm-hmm. over here. Yeah. And so there's no wasted labor in the kingdom.
0: If you've listened to today's featured guest and are stirred by their words, please contact us at don'tsellthefarmph at gmail.com we'd love to let them know that they encouraged you. If you're not right with God and you're listening to this podcast, Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you would like to give your life to Jesus as our featured guest, our hosts, and many millions of others have, Simply repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. From this moment forward, I turn from my sins. Please come into my heart and change me. Make me a new creation in Christ. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you gave your life to Christ because of this podcast, please contact us and let us know. We would love to help you find a church home.